the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The El Conservador Radio Show is sponsored by George Rodriguez on 930 AM, The Answer. Time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador. George Rodriguez. Howdy, 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 my friends. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you once again from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas on KLUP 930 AM, The Answer. Uh, Welcome on this Saturday, May 4th, 2019, my friends. Got uh, three great interviews with some very, very interesting gentlemen today. Um, Jim, we call him Hoot Gibson. Jim Gibson with the Texas Border Volunteers is going to be with us, as well as Todd Bensman. I met Todd the other day uh, in a meeting with Congressman um, Chip Roy. Todd Bensman is a senior fellow with the Center for Immigration Studies, and he's going to be talking to us about uh, the border crisis, of course, as well as uh, Mr. Jason Jones, who is um, a consultant with uh, a, a, a company called Three Omni. And uh, he has uh, extensive uh, extensive experience in working on the um, on uh, criminal details uh, regarding the the uh, cartels and other criminal activity at the border. So um, you know, between the three uh, individuals, Jim Gibson, Todd Bensman, and uh, Jason Jones, we ought to, we ought to have a pretty good grip on what is happening at the border and why it's important that uh, we understand. Uh, let's start with uh, some brief uh, news, as usual, uh, regarding the uh, issues going on, uh, the news going on with immigration. So let's start, first of all, first of all, um, again, uh, this is uh, so typical of the, uh, you know, the, uh, we reported a story similar to this uh, a couple of weeks ago regarding the uh, Democrats up in, uh, up in New York. The Democrat legislature was uh, considering uh, funding illegal aliens in, in uh, their funding their education, while at the same time they were considering cutting back on uh, Gold Star families on funding education for uh, Gold Star families. Uh, well, here we go again. Uh, the um, uh, apparently there is an effort at, in Congress uh, uh, in D.C. to fund a uh, veterans program, but at the same time. They uh, are uh, want to uh, stop uh, or curtail completely border security. Now, again, this is uh, this is the Democrats playing politics because all they want to do is pin is play uh, the veterans programs against uh, the uh, border security because in their hearts they're really really not interested in the veterans. If they would, they wouldn't have pulled the stunt they did up in New York. But here they go doing it again. You know, it, it's it's so evident that their hatred towards Trump seems to be their great obsession and motivation. And since Trump has spoken so so strongly on the border, uh, they are not going to do anything about the border. In the meantime, regarding the border, uh, the Democrats are like are like Nero, who fiddles while Rome burns. I mean, it's incredible. It it is just just, just really really sad. They they hate Trump more than they want to serve America. That's the bottom line. There's also a very, very interesting um, poll that came out uh, on Wednesday uh, regarding, the, um, regarding the number of Democrats who are now viewing illegal immigration as a crisis. Yes, now that's a big deal. That is really, I mean, the Democrats need to, need, need to wake up to this one. The, uh, they, the number of Democrats that are now viewing uh, uh, immigration as a crisis, according to this new poll by the ABC Washington Post. Now, again, that's a very, very liberal uh, polling uh, service, ABC Washington Post. They released it that says that 24 percent of the Democrats now view the situation at the border as a crisis. That is 7 percent up from January. 
uh, a full 72% of the uh, Democrats view, 72% of the Democrats, they view illegal immigration as either a crisis or a serious problem. That uh, compares to only 27% who say illegal immigration is not, a, an, is not a serious problem. I mean, my friends, you cannot, you cannot deny what is happening, what is happening on the border. Uh, equally important uh, is what's happening in your backyard, okay? For example, uh, this past week, uh, there was the arrest. There was the arrest of, of uh, the judge in Massachusetts who, uh, who disrespected the law completely and totally by, uh, by uh, uh, allowing a, uh, an illegal alien to uh, exit out the back door. Uh, this Massachusetts du- judge, obviously a Democrat, named uh, named uh, uh, Shelley M. Richmond Joseph, Shelley Joseph, judge, she allowed this guy to uh, to exit out the back door. Well, uh, on Thursday uh, last uh, last week, uh, her time and judgment came uh, real quick when uh, she has been arrested. She has been arrested by, under fe- by federal authorities. Uh, for uh, aiding and abetting the, the, uh, this individual uh, to avoid custody. I mean, that's amazing, my friends. So immediately the, um, the uh, Democrat uh, uh, Massachusetts Attorney General, Mara La- uh, Healy, she called the incident radical and politically motivated. You know, folks, uh, how can you say that when all, all, all ICE was trying to do, all immigration authorities were trying to do is detain this individual uh, who was in a court because he had committed a crime. I mean, uh, you know, he had committed a crime by entering illegally. He was in a court because he committed a local crime. And now these, uh, these, these folks are completely oblivious and, and, and ignore that. Well, uh, two gang members, two illegal, gang mem- illegal alien gang members uh, were seized by ICE in Suffolk County in Massachusetts the same day, the same day that... Um, D, that uh, district attorney, the local district attorney, Rachel Rollins, uh, filed a federal suit against uh, ICE to keep them out of the courts. And this is in direct result to them uh, arresting uh, Judge, uh, Judge Shelley Joseph uh, for her uh, role. I, I'm not sure what is going on in, in uh, Massachusetts, my friends. What's in the water? But these judges, these attorney generals, these uh, these folks who are supposed to be the judicial system of Massachusetts, uh, they're out of control, folks. They're out of control. Also, in the meantime, also uh, last Tuesday, uh, the Border Patrol on Tuesday morning apprehended the largest group of illegal uh, aliens uh, they have caught in one time. 424 illegal aliens were apprehended. Uh, in, in a community at midnight in a community called South, Southland Park in New Mexico. In addition, 230 uh, illegal aliens were apprehended at Antelope Wells in New Mexico also around 2 o'clock. I, my friends, it is, uh, this is, it's, it's beyond a crisis. It's out of control. It is beyond a crisis. We have got to understand, my friends, we have got to understand that we may have lost America already. I wrote a little piece uh, on my on my website, uh, elconservador.net, uh, asking the question rhetorically, asking the question, have we lost America already? You know, 60 Minutes did a show last Sunday on the 27th, last Sunday, as well as the New York Times, uh, talking about the border crisis, which seems to indicate that some people are beginning, some people on the left, some of these liberals are beginning to, to wake up. But the problem is, Okay, once we secure the border, even if we stopped all illegal immigration tomorrow, what would happen? Would we, what, what's going to happen with the rest of them? What happens with the illegal aliens that are already here? Are we going to round them up and deport them? What about, uh, what about the illegal alien children, the families? Because every single uh, family that has come across lately, uh, well, they're, they're, they're called a family because they've got kids with them. So what's going to happen with these little babies? What is going to happen with them? Will we create a new DACA to, to keep them and another spe- special amnesty? What about uh, the anchor babies that keep uh, being born here? Lots of those, uh, lots of those are, are happening uh, as people, as pregnant women come across the border and then have a baby here. 
What about the asylum applicants that have already that ha, that have disappeared, that have claimed asylum and have disappeared, and uh, we can't find them? How are we going to find them? And when we find them, what do we do? You know, they never show up for their for their hearings. So uh, are they going to just get another court date and stay longer? What about those people that have overstayed visas? You know, are they going to be penalized, penalized in any form or fashion? And then again, what about the criminal aliens that are in our jails? What are we going to do with those folks? Are they ever going to be rounded up and sent back to their countries of origin, particularly if their countries of origin don't want them? Finally, finally, ask yourself this, my friends. Ask yourself this. What about the Democrats and the liberals? Are they ever going to put America first? And will they ever support punishing, yes, punishing illegal immigration? Because in my book, that's what needs to happen. We need to punish illegal immigration. We keep excusing it and rewarding it. We excuse it because we say, well, we've got to make an amends for this person or for that group or for this uh, issue. You know, and we keep we keep just uh, making excuses and excusing illegal immigration. You know, on the other hand, uh, once they're here, we keep rewarding them. We give them everything. We give them uh, jobs. We give them benefits. We give them rights. That's got to stop, my friends. Yes, we need to build a wall and we need to tighten border security. But we must also punish illegal immigration with deportation and with forfeiture. Yeah, I'm going to say it with forfeiture of anyone uh, being a legal ever being a legal resident or a citizen. They need to forfeit that right, that privilege. That's what they do. They need to do. If you come in illegally or if you commit a, uh, a crime while you're, while you're an, a, a, an alien in, the, in this country, then you need to forfeit your right to ever, ever, ever become a legal resident or a citizen. That's the bottom line. Otherwise, my friends, I've got to ask myself, if we don't get tough, have we already lost America? Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas, on KLUP 930 AM, The Answer. Thank you for being with us. I hope that you will stick around and listen to our great uh, interviews with the folks. Stick around, folks. We'll be right back. Hello, El Conservador listeners. If you are interested in following George Rodriguez, El Conservador, we invite you to follow him at his internet website, elconservador.net. You can also follow him on Facebook at George Rodriguez, El Conservador, and on Twitter at El Conservador for daily commentaries. You can also purchase his book, El Conservador, Conservative Opinions, online at Amazon.com. The book contains essays and commentaries about illegal immigration, fake news, and race relations. If you are interested in inviting El Conservador to speak to your group or event, please contact him through Facebook or through the station at 930amtheanswer.com. El Conservador thanks you for your support. Keep the fire of freedom burning. Howdy, 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 my friends. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio on KLUP 930 AM radio, The Answer. Now, we've got a very good friend of mine, uh, a a good patriot, uh, Mr. Uh, Jim Hood, Hoot Gibson. He's uh, Most folks know him as Hoot Gibson. And uh, I've reached out to him uh, to uh, chat uh, regarding uh, the border crisis, of course. Because there's been some some incidences uh, regarding uh, volunteers on the border, and I wanted to reach out to him and and uh, chat with him. Hoot, welcome to the show. Hoot is the um, media and and public events uh, coordinator for the Texas Border Volunteers. Hoot, welcome to the show. Uh, tell us uh, what is the Texas Border Volunteers? How did it come about, and um, and uh, what is it that uh, that uh, that they do? Hey, George, uh, thanks much for having me on. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk with you today. Uh, essentially, Texas Border Volunteers started up back in 2006, primarily through the efforts of Dr. Mike and Linda Vickers down in Brooks County, just uh, just to the north of the South Area's checkpoint. 
And uh, we've been in operation, as I said, about 13 years now. And what we do is essentially post out on private ranches that are above the checkpoint. And what we're trying to do is identify illegal aliens that are trespassing on those ranches in an attempt to circumvent the checkpoint. And in a nutshell, that's, that's our mission. So you work as a private, as a private group. Uh, contracting with private property owners, correct? That's correct. We are we are essentially guests on the ranches. Uh, this, again, was through the efforts of, of Doc and Linda because they live in the area, they know the ranchers, and uh, it was all set up in coordination with them, and, and we follow whatever rules those ranchers place up on us. Gotcha. Uh, it's their property. And uh, we conduct ourselves in accordance with their their directives. Now, I would assume that uh, the uh, that these uh, property owners, these ranchers, ask the border volunteers uh, to help out because they were having a problem. Correct? Oh, absolutely. Uh, Furious has been historically one of the busiest uh, inland checkpoints in the in the country. Uh, they continually rack up. Big numbers. Uh, what's going to be interesting, as a side note, George, is I believe next early next month the Falcurius checkpoint expansion is supposed to be complete. And it's my understanding. I could be wrong, but I believe that expansion is going to encompass ten lanes of traffic, southbound and five northbound. Uh, I could be wrong on that, but you can check. And it's going to have a, a huge impact. We think on the foot traffic that's coming through Brooks County. Right, because uh, let's make sure that people understand that um, that what happens quite often is that uh, rather than going through the, um, the checkpoint, uh, people are let off uh, before the checkpoint and begin their uh, trip northward through the brush country and thus avoid the checkpoint itself, correct? That is exactly correct. Their objective is to get to some point to the north of that checkpoint where they have rides that are prearranged to pick them up. I've, I've actually watched two illegal aliens that were waiting. Uh, we didn't know it at the time, but they were hidden in the brush. They would never move. And a vehicle, this was about 1 o'clock in the morning, pulled into the turnaround just uh, to the south of the rest stop, which we could see. And as soon as that vehicle turned into the turnaround and stopped, these two jumped from the brush and in a dead run ran right to the vehicle, got in and took off north. Of course, north, we notified Border Patrol. Now, there has been some recent uh, uh, news regarding a what, what the news called a vigilante group in Arizona uh, that were carrying guns and that were disarmed by the, um, by the Border Patrol. Uh, what is different between what they supposedly were doing and what you guys do? Okay. Uh, uh, the short version is this. When we, uh, a few years ago, uh, Dr. Vickers and Linda uh, with Park Patrol on a routine basis, uh, they have community partnership meetings and so forth. And specifically, we asked, they asked, what is it that you, Border Patrol, want and need us to do? And the difference between us and, and other groups, I guess, uh, is that we only observe and report. Border Patrol says the best thing you can do is, as you identify groups, is to remain concealed and out of sight. Because what happens is, once you make yourself known to these groups, they scatter to the four winds. And it makes Border Patrol's job much more difficult to try to round these people up. Plus, you run the risk of some of those individuals getting lost or injured, and then they wind up being a casualty on the Brooks County roads. So we may remain completely hidden. Plus, you've got to remember, we're dealing with a different set of people than what's being dealt with on the immediate border area. By all accounts, from the media and from agents themselves, the bulk of what's coming across the river simply come across, give up, here I am, me. Right, the ones that are declaring an asylum. Correct. Exactly. Correct. People that we get, because we're 70 miles north of the river, the people that we get are there for a reason. They don't want to be caught. Correct. So it's not it's not a matter of us 
rescuing these groups or having them turn themselves in, they're trying to avoid capture at all costs. And in, and, and they might be even violent in some cases, correct? Well, that's absolutely. And you know as well as I do, George, that anybody that crosses the river illegally has had no criminal background check and they've had no health check. So we don't know what we're dealing with. Thermal imaging tonight doesn't reveal that to us. And we're simply not in a position to be able to detain these people. Like we Technically, we can't legally keep them anyway. Uh, a trespass across the fence line is a class C misdemeanor. And that's just not something you can exercise a citizen to rest on, at least based on what we've been told by lawyers. So we're very careful not to encounter any of these people. I would say 95 to 98% of those individuals we report never know we're there. Now, tell, tell us, uh, what is what are some of the things that you are seeing, that you have seen uh, since you guys began? What's the difference between when you started and what, what, what is happening now? What are you seeing? Uh, what are some of the red flags that, that we should know about? Well, first of all, I, I have to confess, uh, over the past couple of years, uh, the traffic in the areas that we work has dropped off precipitously uh, compared to previous years. Uh, We attribute that to a couple of things. First of all, uh, a few years back, Border Patrol installed what's called an aerostat. I think it's about 10 miles south of the checkpoint. And that aerostat's one of those big balloon-looking things that they run up about four or 500 feet in the air, and it's highly technically, technically equipped. And What's happening is a lot of these groups and our individuals are being detected earlier in the process. They never make it up into our area. Uh, That's just one of the factors. Plus, we've had some oil construction pipeline in Brooks County that disrupted some of the smuggler routes. And some of it has a lot of it has shifted out to our west. Uh, So the traffic has been much slower, and we hardly ever see women and kids anymore. Uh, Used to that was a routine thing, but it's rare we see females or children out in the brush. Uh, we did discover during a watch in March a uh, gate chain that had been cut, and our guys uh, followed some tracks leading away from that gate and found a smuggler's vehicle that had been abandoned, and it was full of all kinds of clothing, Guatemalan IDs, etc., etc. and turns out it was stolen out of Laredo. So, uh, those are little odds and ends that we find. We have had a, a rape tree incident back in December of 2013, I think it was, just off the, the uh, Vickers Ranch fence line at Woman's Broad, and a purse was hanging from the tree in plain sight. So it's something new every time we go down. Now, uh, tell us, do you think that, uh, you know, given the approach that you guys are doing of supporting the border patrol is this something that you really think that that would work or help not necessarily just work but help uh the current situation do you think other folks should maybe copy the texas border volunteers and 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 do something similar uh at the border i i think definitely would help uh I, I, matter of fact, before you called uh i went back and looked at uh the number our current numbers since 2008, when we officially started tracking numbers and keeping detailed records of each watch, we've reported uh, 3,142 aliens to Border Patrol. In my way, our way of thinking, uh, that's 3,142 that Border Patrol would have never known about had we not been in the field. So it can definitely be a help, but it has to be done the right way. Anybody that wants to start up a group or try to attempt to do this needs to do two things. They need to meet with the landowners that's going to be inviting them in and set out a rule of procedures and operating practices that they're going to use that's acceptable to the landowner. Because if something goes wrong, right, you know, whether you agree with it or not, if something goes wrong, then that landowner is going to be held liable. It's happened before. So you need to have a firm, reasonable set of operating standards. The second thing you need to do is meet with your local Border Patrol officials. 
and lay out what your plans are and how you plan to accomplish the mission and make sure that they write off on it. As long as you have that working relationship between the landowners and the Border Patrol and and a set of rules that everybody agrees upon, then you should be. Excellent. Uh, Who Tell the folks uh, here as we close, how can they follow uh, up on uh, on Texas Border Volunteers' work? Can they find more information about you guys and contact you possibly to... Uh... Okay. Uh, great point, George. Uh, we, are, we have a Facebook page. Uh, right now we have a little over 16,000 followers. Uh, we also have a website. But unfortunately, for whatever reason, our website has been suspended. Uh, our IT guy is working on that diligently as we speak. But once the website, and it's listed on the Facebook page, uh, folks can go there and watch videos, look at photographs. If they want to donate, we have a donate button. And, of course, we have a tab uh, for people that want to join that they can click on and do the application online. Excellent. Thank you very, very much. Thank uh, thank you, our fellow patriots that are on, that are out there. Uh, on a daily basis, and uh, thank you for coming on the show. Not a problem, George. The battle goes on, and uh, it's time for all hands on deck, my friend. You got it, buddy. You got it. my friends, George Rodriguez, once again, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas on KLUP 930 AM radio, The Answer. And uh, we've got uh, another very, very good um, uh, person to interview, uh, Todd Bensman, who has become a very, very good friend of mine. Uh, Todd is, uh, he works uh, with, uh, as the Senior National Security Fellow for the Center for Immigration Studies here uh, that's out of Washington, D.C., but he he himself is based in Austin. And uh, he uh, has written and uh, talked a lot about, uh, speaks a lot about the nexus between uh, the, the, the relationship between uh, immigration and national security. And he's also written uh, about uh, terrorism-related homeland security matters. Uh, we've also got to mention, too, uh, as far as the folks here in San Antonio, that he um, is a... Um, uh, a former uh, journalist. He was uh, a former worker over at uh, reporter over at uh, the San Antonio Express News, and we uh, we want to welcome Todd. And Todd, given your expertise and the thing that you the things that you've written about and the things that you're uh, you know your travels, please tell us what do you see as far as what's going on with 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 uh, South Texas, the Texas Mexican border, and immigration in general. Welcome to the show, and talk to us, please. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And, um, well, the border, uh, you know, obviously now we're, we're in the midst of a presidentially declared crisis of Central American migrants who are literally just pouring over in unprecedented numbers. We're projected to have over a million Central American migrant families uh, come right in through the border. And um, many of them declare asylum as a means to gain permanent entry into the country. They'll never get asylum, but they take advantage of the asylum law and process uh, that can't handle them. So then they are released into the interior. Um, One couldn't argue necessarily that uh, a family of uh, Hondurans, mother, father with children, some kind of a uh, national security threat. Uh, the problem is that there is a lot of indication that uh, children are being used and trafficked and um, used as uh, fronts in order to gain that asylum and release into the interior. And so there's a trafficking issue with that. And then the uh, men and or women who are renting those children uh, to get over the border, uh, we don't really know who they are because they come in and uh, we, we don't know whether there's a criminal element there. Uh, some of the teenagers uh, could very well be uh, MS-13 and members of other uh, dangerous, violent gangs. Uh, when we had the child, uh, the under, uh, un- unaccompanied minor crisis of 2014, the majority of those were, you know, just um, unaccompanied minors, just run-of-the-mill uh, kids trying to uh, join their families or relatives here. 
But that flow also brought in a lot of NS-13 members who posed as uh, something other than what they were. And they spread around the country and have uh, macheted to death victims all over the country from Long Island to California. Extreme violence. Uh, so when the president called those particular gang members uh, animals, that's exactly what they are, animals. Uh, they got in this way. We don't really even know whether these, the teenagers that are coming in with these families right now are going to be MS-13. Uh, so there is a national security concern with, with the current migrant uh, flow just because we don't know who they are. We also don't know uh, their, their, their health condition as well. So, I mean, it's not only just the violence, it's the health issue as well, isn't it? Well, yeah, well, that's absolutely the case. The, the, there are reports, um, good, good anecdotal reports. It's still a little bit early to get the, the final uh, tally on, on that data, and a lot of that data is not even uh, released. Uh, there's there's re- resistance to releasing that information. Isn't that sad? Mm. Of, uh, you know, all kinds of... Um, diseases that were thought to have been defeated here in the United States, you know, cholera and measles and mumps and uh, different strains of um, influenza and um, other kinds of uh, disease that um, we don't really have a sense that that any of the people coming in right now are being screened. Uh, right now, the, the, the numbers are so high that the system is just overwhelmed. I mean, they're just waving them through. They're practically waving them through. And unless somebody is extremely ill on the spot, there's not even any any treatment or screening. There's nowhere to keep them anyway, even if you wanted to, um, uh, you know, keep them under certain, you know, under... Um, under a watch right. monitor for uh, diseases and things like that. So yeah, that's a that's going to be a big problem too, especially once they all start enrolling in the public schools. Tell us, tell us about your travel because one of the things that that's very very key to uh, to uh, controlling illegal immigration and, and border security is uh, well, in my opinion, is a wall. Now you you were you've been traveling recently. Tell us about what you have seen in other countries regarding a wall. Sure. So I just returned a few weeks ago from Hungary, where I inspected Hungary's border barriers. They've got about three hundred and thirty miles of uh, border wall, uh, various in various kinds of uh, iterations along their boundary with the countries of Serbia and Croatia, and. Hungary decided to put those barriers up quickly in 2015 as a response to a massive wave of migration coming from the Middle East, from Middle Eastern countries like Syria, and also from South Asia, uh, particularly Afghanistan and Pakistan, and Africa as well, Somalia. So those are are countries where um, terrorist organizations are known to operate and the Hungarians decided that there were about 400,000 that had pushed through Hungary on what's called the the Balkan route into um, Germany and Sweden and and more prosperous countries on the interior of uh, Europe, the European Union. And the Hungarians decided one day that they were just not going to put up with that anymore, so they built a fence, uh, mostly barbed wire and chain link initially with a lot of razor wire, and um, they did it with about $100 million. They used their military, and they had the whole thing up in about three months. And that put in a complete stop to the migration. By the, when, when they got it up on day, like Monday, uh, by Tuesday, migration through their country <clears throat> either diverted or ended, um, you, know, per, you know, dwindled to, you know, maybe a, you know, a couple dozen or something who, you know, cut through it. And... Um, so um, it's not just the fence but uh, and the wall that they built, but it's also some policies that went along with it. So you have to have um, certain kinds of policies and patrolling and manpower on, on, uh, on the um, Hungarian side of the, of the wall in order to um, enforce it. But it, it slowed it all down to the point where it was all very manageable. So let, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this point blank. Do you think... We need to do something similar. I mean, not just the wall, but policies. I call it the wall plus, uh, that the policies need to be changed, and as well as we need a wall. What do you think? We need a wall. 
mainly to manage mass migration flows like this and also the drug trafficking. Uh-huh. <clears throat> Walls, wherever they have, bu- have been built, work. They just simply work. When Israel put up its wall uh, against the, Su- the, the wave of Sudanese migrants who were uh, moving into uh, through their southern border, it ended it overnight. It was just over. So against pedestrians, walls are extremely fencing are extremely effective and that's why you hear such a um i guess a shrill loud opposition to them from people who are interested in having migration because uh the louder and noisier those people are about how it won't work that sort of gives you a hint that they they actually deep down know it will work you know otherwise uh, why not just smirk and walk away knowing that it's not going to work and you're still going to get your agenda, right? So, right. And, um, and, and the louder bo- the complaints are, the more you know that it's going to work. Correct. And in fact, they do work. And from what you've right. seen, from yeah. what you have seen and, and done your research, uh, there is, there is definitely a nexus, a connection, whatever we want to, whichever way we want to call it, uh, between uh, immigration, be it legal or illegal, and uh, terrorist organizations or, uh, or, or organizations that want to do us harm, whether they are terrorist or just criminal, correct? Yeah, that's correct. And we have, um, starting in about October, I want to say the president uh, started tweeting and making public comments to the effect that, you know, there is a flow of Middle Easterners and people from, <clears throat> migrants from terror countries who are coming through Latin America to reach our southern border. And he was met with uh, ridicule and mocking and scoffing. And uh, by, the, by the time it all ended, the, the, all the hubbub about that, I think the American public was left to just sort of, well, what's true? <laughs> we don't even know what's true. But in fact, it is true that there is a, a steady train of migration from the Middle East, from terror countries, from the same countries that were entering uh, Europe, Afghanistan, Pakistan, Yemen, uh, you name it, right over the Texas border. It's been going on for years. Most of the time when they arrive, it's without any identification. They were smuggled in, usually on false identification. So somebody from Bangladesh or Syria or Iran shows up at the border. They have absolutely no identification, and we have no way of being able to vet them, right? Well, you know, They're probably not terrorists, but we don't know whether they're terrorists. And in fact, about two dozen individual migrants from um, those countries a year come across who are already on our terrorism watch list. It's amazing. So uh, luckily we apprehend those people, but, uh, you know, nobody can really say that uh, there's not that migration. There's about three to 4,000 a year that are apprehended on the southern border from those terror countries, and that is a threat issue that has to be managed as well. Gotcha. We're getting close to 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 uh, uh, the end of our of our segment here. Uh, can you? Uh, what conclusion can you give us before we go? And, and uh, how can people follow you and uh, and read more about the stuff that you're writing about? Well, uh, I'll answer your last question first. Uh, the best way to read my material is you know cif.org, uh, Center for Immigration Studies. And uh, they have uh, my profile there with all of my writings for them. But then you can also go to toddbensman.com, which is kind of a clearinghouse for all of my uh, writings, toddbensman.com. And you can follow me on Twitter, BensmanTodd is my Twitter handle. Uh, Todd, thank you very, very much for taking time to be with us. I really, really appreciate it. And um, we need to get you back on. In fact, I'd like to get you uh, as a regular as a regular guest to give us updates on what uh, what is going on. Yeah, anytime. Uh, Just uh, let me know. I, I think I think you know the 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 media, the the mainstream media. Uh, just doesn't inform us the way that we need to be informed about this. Todd, thank you very, very much for being with us. And um, once again, this is this has been Todd Bensman, who's been uh, chatting with us. And uh, we certainly want to get him back uh, uh, on our show to uh, give us an update of what he's going, what's going on. All right, my friends, once again, George Rodriguez and Juan Salvador talking to you from San Antonio on KLUP 930 AM radio, The Answer. 
got a special guest with us uh, today, uh, Mr. Jason Jones, who is a retired captain, Texas Department of Public Safety, and a counterterrorism la- division where he managed the uh, daily operations for the Texas Rangers. Particularly, he's uh, been he, he's got uh, background on uh, the uh, cartels and and uh, international crime and all that that's been go- that's been going on. A lot of us just are not conscious of folks. So I wanted to get him on here. Welcome to the show, Jason. Thank you for being with us. Yeah, George, how you doing? Great to be with you, and thanks for having me. Well, uh, buddy, tell us what, given given your background, given given what your your knowledge and and uh, your expertise, what is happening on the border, and what needs to be done in order to keep Americans safe? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, great question, and obviously one of the most trying times uh, for our country when we talk about our southwest border and what's occurring down there. One of the things that is really not in the news every day that is really a big driver behind this and is something that has helped so many people and illicit narcotics get into the country illegally is the Mexican cartels. And they have evolved into something much bigger than what we know them as. Well, you know, when most folks think of the, of the cartels, they talk about them as the drug cartels, right? Because we've been dealing with them for so long. Correct. The problem is that they have evolved. Actually, they've taken quantum leaps. You know, when we talk about Sinaloa cartel as an example, you know, they're in 54 countries around the world. When we talk about cartel Jalisco new generation, we know that cartel is now in over 43 nations around the world. Oh, my Narcotics and products. So it's not just a Texas problem. They are not just a U.S. problem. Um, They're all over the world, and we've got to look at them differently. If we are going to move someone or a... uh, narcotics or contraband into the United States, you have to pay what is known as the PISO or the tax to get into the country. And that tax goes to the cartels. This is how they make their money. So how do they do that? Well, they control and have operational control of our southwest border. I ran many border operations over the course of my career, and it is stunning. I mean, it is absolutely stunning to the level of tradecraft that they're employing along our border, and not just at the border, George. I'm talking over 20 miles in the United States. We have seen these individuals known as jacones, or lookouts, who are everywhere. They, they utilize encrypted handheld radios that law enforcement cannot break the encryption, and they communicate to leadership back in Mexico. And that's how they move product in and out of our country. And so... There are a lot of things that we can do now to stop them, but unfortunately with Congress and what we're, what we're seeing, we just don't have that kind of effort underway. So the real question is, what do we do, right? Right. What do we do? So here it is. Uh, one of the first things we need to look at is designating the cartels as terrorist organizations. So what does that do? Amen. It sounds good, but what does it really do? It provides focus for the intelligence community and for uh, the Department of Justice and the ability and the authorities for them to get involved in this game. Think about it. It wasn't until after 9-11 that the intelligence community and the Department of Defense really got into the terrorism game of going after certain groups like al-Qaeda and al-Shabaab and others. After 9-11, we got a lot of focus in that. But today, law enforcement and can't bring in the intelligence community to go after them globally until we give them the proper authorities. And that's exactly what designating them as terrorists is going to do. In the past, we have attempted uh, to address the issue of drug interdiction, of stopping drugs. I mean, the Colombian cartels way back when, and uh, El Chapo and a few others. But now they're doing human smuggling. Absolute, uh, you know, it, it's it's a different ball, ball game completely because you've got you've got them bringing people in, kids in. Uh, that evolution is something that we need to address, Correct. Absolutely. And, you know, you know, there was a time that I know you remember when in this country we never used the term human trafficking. That was a term that happened in underdeveloped nations around the world. That's human right. trafficking wasn't affecting us. That's correct. Today, at every level of criminal organizations throughout Texas and throughout the nation today, that is occurring. And what really bothers me, you know, last month we had over 103,000 people apprehended entering our country illegally at the southwest border. And that was just in one month. What I really fear is where we're going to be in the next two years 
as we're going to see a human trafficking epidemic. I still talk to several cartels. I was recently talking to one of the Sicarios down there, and he was telling me that there's so many people crossing that they can't keep up with how they're going to tax them. So one of the things they're doing right now is they're collecting all of their personal identifying information, their mother's contact numbers, their dad, their children, their uncles. And because they don't have the money, many of these folks are so poor, they just they get all their information, they send them uh, into the United States, and now they own them. Now they can just keep bothering them until they get the money they they're, that they're, they feel that they're owed for passing through their plazas. Wow. These folks now are in the United States and have to work off the money. So how much is that? The average person coming from Central America pays around, and I'm, I'm giving you a very general estimate, but around five to $6,000. Now, if you come from China, you're going to be moved up to New York, you can pay as much as twenty to $40,000. Wow. It just depends on your plight, how far into the country you have to go, and the level uh, that the cartels have to get involved to make sure that they make it through. Wow. I, you know, two items that, that I'd like for you to, to speak to. First of all, here in San Antonio, we had the uh, situation uh, a little over a year ago where the where there was a human smuggling operation, a truck that was stopped. And rather than detain the people that were being smuggled, they were let go, and, and, and now the uh, police department and the DA don't really have a case because they can't find the evidence of the human smuggling. That's number one. Number two, we've got the situation in, uh, we've had a recent situation up in, uh, in Dallas where a, um, uh, a person has been, uh, has, has uh, been interviewed that uh, was smuggled in. But it seems to me like the entire story is told from a very, very sympathetic point of view uh, by the media of strictly the individual. Now, I feel sorry for the individual, but, uh, you know, he did break the law and he did it willfully. You know how you're right. We're you know, we're, we can't address. We've never addressed the issue of human smuggling. And now we are we're we're, we're doing it. How do you think we need to do that? I mean, what what uh, what needs to happen, particularly at the local and state levels? Let's go to the border first. And one of the things that needs to happen is collaboration. If you look at the great state of Texas, and I think the folks would be very happy to see what Texas has done. You know, Texas in, in just one legislative session alone received over $880 million to collaborate with U.S. Customs and Border Protection. And from 2014 to just uh, before 2017, we sent Texas Highway Patrolmen, we sent aircraft, we sent Texas Rangers, we sent analysts, and we sent CID agents to that border every single week, over 100 at a time, uh, working in, in a truly collaborative form to help hold the line in Hidalgo and in Starr County because we had such an influx of children and families that started in 2014. And collaboration is the key. You know, we've got a Congress right now on both sides that isn't getting the job done. And we have to have leadership and we got to have action. And now, and so what does that look like? Well, we've got the Department of Defense. We've sent some military assets down there, but not enough. We need to send a lot more. We need to send FBI, DEA, HSI, U.S. Marshals, and any other badge-holding individual Excellent. with authorities to detain down to that border to work side-by-side -side with U.S. Customs and Border Protection worked under their own authorities to support border patrol between the ports of entry to hold that line because what the folks never hear is you know like last night i don't know if you read this morning 300 people in south texas were apprehended last night yep. 300 this, or this morning as they crossed through last night yep now that's just in one area so when those folks were moved what wasn't reported is as all of border patrol was tied up with that what i can tell you was happening was that marijuana and cocaine were being moved about a mile down the river because those people after they paid the cartel what they also were doing was holding up resources so that drugs could be moved north into the country and that's what's never reported and that's why we've got to bring extra support down to that border and that could happen now through leadership um, at the executive level and to help those men and women down there in harm's way get this done. Now, that's what we can do at the border. Now, what can we do domestically to, when it comes to uh, this human trafficking epidemic that I'm, I'm talking about that I'm extremely worried about? It may really surprise your audience uh, what, what I'm about to say, but we utilize
revised in this country a thing known as the Uniform Crime Report. It was created in 1929, implemented in 1934, and is extremely outdated. Um, it is what we measure our crime statistics on for 18,000 agencies across the great country of ours um, that tell us, you know, is violence up? What were the murders? What were the manslaughters, the forcible rapes, you know, the robberies, the aggravated robberies, the burglaries? etc. And that, and then when you hear that, you say, well, that kind of covers all that's going on. But here's, here's what it doesn't cover, is it doesn't cover everything you and I have talked about here this afternoon, and that's public corruption, kidnapping, extortion, drug trafficking. George, isn't it hard to believe? It is. <laughs> For 60 years, we've been fighting the drug supposed war, yet as a nation, we don't know how much dope is seized in this country between all these agencies every year. That's Never amazing. mind the human trafficking, human smuggling, money laundering, weapon seizures. You know, we've been talking about weapons going to Mexico for how long? We still don't capture that data. And then of course now cyber, you know, cyber is a big thing that's implemented. So we don't capture any of those as a nation. Who's responsible? I can tell you the Federal Bureau of Investigation. They are the ones that own the Uniform Crime Report and they have since the thirties. They have never updated it, and it is a shame. So how do we get 18,000 law enforcement agencies to have a focused approach toward a problem? And this is how you do it. You update, you modernize, and you use data to drive your operations. And you say, well, well, Jason, that sounds great, right? I mean, hey, it sounds fantastic, but, you know, how do we know that's going to work if we do it? Well, I'll, I'll tell you, look at the New York City Police Department and their ComStat program. I've worked very closely with NYPD and their intelligence division, and that is an amazing organization. At one time, New York City had over 2,200 murders a year. I, I know, George, you remember we used to call it the Dirty Apple. Yeah. Uh, today, that city has less than 300 murders a year sustained. Wow. We need to, we need to close up, but uh, I really, really want to thank you for coming on and talking uh, about this. Can you tell the folks real quick um, how they can uh, follow up on, on uh, uh, other stuff that you've written or uh, with you uh, with with your program? Sure, absolutely. You can go to jasonjones.com. That's J-A-E-S-O-N jones.com. And uh, I speak all over the country on this, so if I can help anyone, please don't hesitate to call. Excellent. Thank you very, very much, Jason. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.